0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hold The Line. My name's Joe, and I'm a British force-free gundog trainer. You can check out my online courses at forcefreegundog.com. The newest course is called Training the T-Drill. You can also pick up a copy of my book called Force-free gundog training, The Fundamentals for Success, which is available on Amazons everywhere around the world. There's also an accompanying workbook to record your training sessions in. I'm currently working on a sequel to Force-free gundog training, and i hope it's going to be out maybe in about six months we'll see that's all for now let's get on with the show Train your gun dog without force or fear. Motivate and educate. Hold the line is here. Prevention, repetition, generalization, motivation. Hold the line. Oh yeah. Hello, I am Joe Laurent and welcome to Hold the Line, the podcast for force-free gun dog training. Hold the Line is committed to helping you train your dog to an advanced level using motivational methods and without the use of fear or pain. Thank you for tuning in and please make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hold the Line! Hello everyone, so I'm back from the mad trip to the UK with Moy to visit the stud dog and I'm really happy to say we got two good natural matings with a 20 minute tie each time and I think we're bang on for the timing, particularly with the second one. So we just have to keep our fingers crossed now and wait and see. We're, we're still doing cytology at the moment because we're going to find when she goes into diestrus, which is probably today, actually, look, looking at yesterday's cytology. Um, And when we know that that she's gone into diestrous, we know that she's going to whelp 57 days, plus or minus 24 hours from when she goes into diestrous. So it gives you a really precise whelping date. You don't have to be there for an entire week thinking, is it going to be today? Um, And so it's just really useful. And you also know she's gone overdue as well. So it means that things are safer too. Um, And hopefully I will um, be able to get Dr. Gail Watkins from Avidog on to um, talk about Avidog and what you can learn there because that's how I learned to do all of this is how I learned to do cytology is through Avidog um, so anyway that's our good news so we just have to keep everything crossed now it's too early to know if i pregnant yet but we just have to keep hoping she is. And I guess the bad news is um, while we were away, I started to see some bright red blood on the floor, which didn't really fit in with where Moy was on her cycle. And I realised that Grey, our 12-year-old Slovakian roughhead pointer, who we had with us as well, um, was was bleeding from her anus. So, and it's not a very nice thing to be talking about, really, is it in a podcast episode, but that is what was happening. So um, then there's a bit of a kind of, we got back to Jersey. There's a mad rush to get to the vet in time um, before they closed for the day. And it really is looking like Grey's got a tumour, an anal sac tumour. And surgery down there is very risky in terms of resulting in incontinence and um, um, complications afterwards, secondary infections and all that kind of thing. So it's really sad. So I think that, you know, on the one hand we've hopefully created some new life and on the other hand, Grey may only have a few weeks left and, and may not even be around to see Moy's puppies. So we're feeling really sad about that at the moment. Um, but we'll see. We've got another uh, vet appointment next week. So we'll just see what happens at that. Grey is quite an interesting dog to talk about, really. Um, I mean, in some ways, she hasn't lived up to expectations in terms of what we got her for. So um, we had S- Slate, our Weimarana, who we actually lost last year and slate was being very successful in working tests and very good retriever and she would handle really well take directions very well um, we went out of novice we went out of graduate we were getting placed in open um, and then we started to run in trials at which point it suddenly occurred to me that slate's weak point was hunting um, and obviously that's the most important thing in trialing with hbrs and you know it doesn't matter how fancy your retrieves are if you can't if you don't have a dog which hunts really well well, that's a little bit wasted, really. All that time and effort you've spent training retrieves and handling, um, which is what I did at the time, um, was, you know, a complete waste of time. Because we never got to do any of that because we first have to find the game and point the game and flush the game before you get to do the actual retrieve. So anyway, um, with Slate, we did get a guns award once, but we didn't really run in many trials because I could just see that we were just, I didn't want to take up a place which someone else could use when I knew that Slate didn't really have what it took to be very successful. So... I retired her and then we got grey um, and grey was supposed to um, be good at the stuff that Slate wasn't good at so we actually had pick of the litter and we chose the puppy that that went the furthest away and climbed confidently into a flower bed away from the litter and that was how we chose a puppy now we didn't really know exactly how to select for hunting ability in such a young puppy but this just seemed um, kind of a randomly good way of maybe trying to determine it. And um, by, by the way, it wasn't, so I don't suggest you replicate this. What we ended up with was a very independent-minded dog, which you can see that in the desire to go, for, go away from the litter and explore and climb into the flower bed, rather than that necessarily um, implying good hunting ability. It did, apply, it did imply a great deal of independence, which is what Grey has in spades. So when Grey wants something, she's going to attempt to get that thing in a very direct way. She doesn't understand, or she finds it very hard to understand, the need to do something else first um, in order to earn access to that thing that she wants—that kind of—that um, that seems to be a really quite difficult thing for her to grasp. Um, so anyway, Gray has been very interesting and very challenging to train. Yeah, so we may even talk about her a bit more in some later episodes. But um, in some ways, it's the dogs that are like the sometimes that you struggle with the most, that you get most attached to. Um, we're very sad about what's happening to Gray at the moment. But let's talk about some happier things because I'm going to move on and talk about the clicker retrieve and the next couple of phases of the clicker retrieve for those of you who are following along um, and attempting to do it at home. So let's get on to that. Hold the line. So I'm going to give you both phase two and phase three of the clicker retrieve this week. They're kind of um, connected and um, most dogs might just whiz free phase two and be on to phase three quite quickly. So it's best to give you both together. Um, So let's just review where you should be by this point. So after phase one, your dog should be targeting the dummy with drive repeatedly for each rep. Um, So you should be eating the treat you throw and then turning and making a beeline for that dummy, understanding that targeting the dummy is what is making you click. And until now, you've been clicking early. So you've been clicking while the dog is looking at or heading towards the dummy. And your click is almost um, making the dog stop the approach because when they hear the click, they turn to you to get the treat. Um, So that's called breaking off at the click and it's really important that your dog has achieved that idea of breaking off when they hear the click and turning to look at you and you then throwing the treat for them away from the dummy and if the dog's not doing that you're putting the treat on their nose to get them to drop the dummy if they've, if they've ignored your click and continued through um, and then they've dropped the dummy and you've thrown the treat away as per usual um, but if you're still needing to put the treat on the dog's nose if the dog is still ignoring the click and they're continuing through to do stuff with the dummy then you're not ready to move on yet you need to have the dog break off when they hear that click and looking to you for the treat which you then throw before you can move on. So assuming you've achieved that, you're going to um, start out exactly the same way as you did before. You're going to put the dummy at your feet just like you did before. And then you're going to just delay the click. So when the dog's heading for the dummy, don't click that moment that you usually would. Delay the click and see what happens when the dog reaches the dummy. So some dogs might just touch the dummy with their nose, which is fine. You can click that if they do that. Um, Other dogs might just pick up right away. They might just move right to a pickup. Um, Either way, click whatever they do straight away. Don't be greedy. Don't, you know, if the dog just goes to and touches it, don't wait and wait and think well maybe they'll pick it up maybe they'll pick it up or wait because what's more likely to happen is the dog may often just wander off and then you've lost anything to click so click whatever they do as soon as they get to the dummy you're going to click that moment and again you're going to throw your treat away from the dummy just like you did before so we're just now waiting to allow the dog to make contact with the dummy and we're seeing what sort of contact with the dummy the dog is offering you so that we can click that so from now on at least a touch is the criteria and at least a touch means that you know if the dog does just pick up immediately quickly you will click that Um, if the dog uh, just touches it you'll still click that whatever you're doing you're going to ensure that you've got at least a touch and that at least a touch is fluent and it's happening every single rep do not click pawing the dummy so if you've got a dog which goes up to the dummy and paws the dummy don't click that sort of contact because that's not going to lead to a pickup so Often what will happen is a dog will paw the dummy and then put their mouth onto the dummy. So if that happens, you're going to ignore the pawing but click the mouth. So you're going to have to watch really closely to see what the dog is doing with the dummy so that you can mark that contact that the dog does with the mouth rather than with the paw. Now, sometimes people worry that this is going to lead into a chain and that we're going to end up training the dog to paw the dummy and then mouth the dummy. Um, but it doesn't, for some reason, this doesn't happen. What happens is the pawing fades out and the mouthing or the mouthing of the dummy um, continues and is made stronger. I'm not t- entirely sure why that is, but it's just what I've observed from training you know, lots of dogs and running lots of classes um, with the clicker retrieve. So, yeah, you just want to ignore the pawing um, and don't worry about a, a chain occurring. And you know what, if a chain does occur, you'll spot that um, and you'll be able to do something else. We'll talk about that later. But um it's very, very unlikely that a chain is going to happen with the pawing and then the mouthing. To be honest, the, probably because the two behaviours are conflicting behaviours. A dog can't both pick the dummy up with their mouth and also have the paw in it. So it's just not going to happen. They can do both those things at the same time. And so in strengthening the mouth behaviour, the pawing tends to just fade out. Um, so anyway, um, anyway, when you click... The dog for interacting with their mouth with the dummy or their nose with the dummy um, the dog should break off just like before and look at you after the click and then you're going to throw that treat away from the dummy on the floor um, so one thing to be aware of is how to move on from this so once you've got a dog fluently touching the dummy with their nose one thing you can do is look at what part of the dog's muzzle is touching the dummy now there are actually many different ways that a dog's muzzle can touch the dummy. They can touch the dummy with the front of their muzzle. They can touch the dummy with the side of their muzzle if they kind of move their head sideways and make contact with the side of their mouth and the dummy. And they can actually, um, if you think about the way a dog might bury a bone in the garden where the kind of the, no- the top of their nose, they're kind of pushing the bone into a hole or maybe they're burying something in their blanket or something or in the sofa. You've seen them with that pushing with the top of their nose on whatever it is that they're trying to bury. Um, that's another way that they can move the dummy. So in that Case the dummy would almost roll across the floor as they touched it with the top of their nose. So, not all of these types of touch are going to lead to a pickup. The type of touch which is going to lead to a pickup is the front muzzle touch. So, that's what we want to be reinforcing the very front of the dog's nose touching the dummy. Um, So, we One way we can progress this is we can um, try not to click when the dog touches with the side of their mouth, or if they start to develop this nosing thing of rolling the dummy across the floor with the top of their nose, we can not click those types of touches either. We can just click the front muzzle touches. Um, So we can kind of be a bit more specific about the type of touch um, that we want the dog to be offering us. Um, And that's quite an easy way to raise... The criteria on the, on the touch. Um, now, I would say here that a lot of well-bred gun dogs are highly likely just to move right to a pickup And you might be thinking, Joe, why are you obsessing about all this touching the dummy and how to touch the dummy stuff? And you know, if you've got a dog like that, that's that's brilliant, that's perfect, and you are going to be laughing and you're just going to make much more rapid progress. But some dogs do have a kind of a mental block about picking up the dummy, and they do need a bit more work at the touch level or stage of things or phase of things Um, and so we're just going to offer this information for those people who need it if you don't need it and your dog is just skipping to a pickup you you can just wait for a minute for what I'm going to talk about for phase three in one second Um, so let's just um, talk a little bit more about phase two Um, so yeah um, your objective here is really a dog that's just going to touch a dummy every single time Um, and sometimes they may offer more than a touch but that may not be happening consistently yet so You also want to think about adjusting things to your individual dog. So remember, if your dog fails to earn a click a couple of times, if they touch it with the side of their mouth or the top of their nose and you don't click that, and that happens, say, twice in a row, um, your dog might start to feel a bit despondent or disappointed or might be more likely to want to give up because they haven't had enough clicks recently. Um, So then you might want to drop your criteria right back down to the dog just looking at the dummy. So next time the dog just looks, you're going to just click that look and throw a treat. And just do that a couple more times and then try again to raise the criteria. So it's kind of a balancing act. We're kind of going backwards and forwards. You're trying to... raise the criteria, which means not click when the dog does things which are substandard, but you are also trying to ensure that the dog receives frequent enough clicks and treats um, that they are going to want to keep working and playing the game. Um, Now, one thing to say is if your dog lies down or tries to chew the dummy or something like that the best thing to do is just to throw a freebie treat so it helps most if we can keep the dog standing and kind of their body movement fluid sometimes dogs will start to offer other behaviors like they might start to offer a down so we've got someone in the clicker retrieve facebook group at the moment who's doing the online course and their dog um, has started to offer some lying down behaviors with the dummy Um, so sometimes that does happen it might happen because you've been teaching down recently for example Um, so if that happens just throw a freebie without clicking away and let the dog run and get that treat and then when the dog reapproaches, you'll have a nice fluid um, fluidly moving dog again and you can you know um hopefully click some more contact with the dummy so if things start to get too static or you know if you start to get sits off it as well just just throw a freebie um just to get the dog to move again um remember as well not to take the dummy out of the dog's mouth ever so even if your dog just skip straight to a pickup we're not going to take that dummy from their mouth um so let's move on now to phase three which is pickups so phase two is at least a touch phase three is pickups now Pickups, I would just say, are a bit of a corner in the clicker retrieve um, And that means that there are these certain points in the clicker retrieve where the level of challenge in terms of training is a little bit higher. So it's a bit of a hurdle, as it were. Now, some dogs just won't experience this as a hurdle, and they'll just be totally fine with it. And you'll be like, Joe, what are you talking about? Other dogs can really you know, find these these kind of points in the clicker retrieve to be a bit tricky. And, and getting to pickups and a fluent pickup is one of those... Um, hurdles and it's probably the most important hurdle and it's probably the most important part of the clicker retrieve so we're going to make sure that we're sort of doing this right so um, don't rush through the stage by the way don't rush through um, pickups so what we're going to do is we're going to place the dummy on the floor as before and just warm the dog up with you know, if you've previously been doing some nose touches on the dummy or you know, something else like that, then you're just going to warm the dog up with like four or five of those. So the dog knows, oh, this is the clicker retrieve game. So whatever your previous criteria is, just, just keep doing that. Um, the dog. So when your dog heads to the dummy, you're just not going to click when they next touch it. You're just going to sh- watch really closely what your dog does when you don't click the, the touch on the dummy that you would usually click. So you're going to sort of watch really closely. You might need to lean over in your chair to one side so that you can get a better viewing angle on the dog's mouth and dummy and exactly what is going on when they make contact with the dummy. So if your dog picks up the dummy, you're going to click immediately and some of your dogs might immediately, you know, pick up the dummy right away, which is perfect. I want to emphasize that when you click the pickup, you want to click early in that process and not late. So people almost always have a tendency to click when the dog's head is up holding the dummy that's too late you don't want to click that late you want to click the first you can click as the dog's mouth opens around the dummy on the floor so as you see the dog open their mouth and have the idea of doing a pickup and the mouth opens around the dummy dummy's still on the floor you're going to click that moment and then for a treat um, and see if you can just really consolidate that the next little step is you're going to click as the dummy rises off the floor so as soon as there is air between the dummy and the floor, you're going to click. Do not wait for the dummy to be static and in the up position in the dog's mouth. That's too late. So think of it as clicking an action, the action of picking up or the dummy rising from the floor. And that's the, that's the movement that you want to capture with with your clicker. So your dog's head should still be on the way up from the floor holding the dummy at the moment that you click. When you click, you are go- the dog's going to drop the dummy, hopefully, because they heard the click, and then you're going to throw the treat away from the dropped dummy on the floor, just like before. Now, if your dog doesn't drop the dummy when you click, you are going to put the treat on the dog's nose so that they drop the dummy, because there's food on their nose, and then you're going to throw that treat away. Um, And hopefully you're going to see that stop happening after a few reps. You'll see the dog start to drop at the click. That's what you want to achieve. Um, Now, if you don't get a pickup, think about what you are getting on the dummy, and this is the hurdle that people sometimes have is getting the pickup. So, think about what your dog is actually offering you. What is in the repertoire of stuff your dog is doing to the dummy that you like more than other things? So, try and um, click that thing more than other things. For example, here are some things you might want to click. Um, The dog's mouth might sometimes be partially open when they touch the dummy. It may happen to be because they're panting or, I don't know, for some other reason. Or maybe they're going to have a little nibble on one end of it. You're going to click that. So click any open mouth on the dummy. Another thing you can click is a firmer nose touch. So you know, some nose touches might be really light and gentle and just brush the top of the dummy. And other nose touches might be quite firm and they might also almost make the dummy move on the ground. You want to click those firmer nose touches and not click the light ones if, you, if your dog is offering you that type of touch. So that you can make those firmer ones more exaggerated. Because what's going to happen is that firmer push on the dummy is much more likely to lead to mouth open and a pickup. Um, so... Um, yeah if you're not getting a pickup think about what you are getting and the range of responses or um, engagement um, ways of the dog is engaging with the dummy that you are getting and try and select um, which of those that you like and, and want to strengthen and which of those is actually on the trajectory towards the clicker retrieve that you want um, if you know don't Don't be greedy. So if you see your dog's mouth start to open, don't think, oh, maybe the dog's going to do a pickup. I just won't click. Um, And I'll wait for the full pickup and then I can click that. Because what will often happen is a dog won't then do a pickup and you've missed an opportunity to click what the dog was doing with the partially open mouth. So click click. Click whatever you like and make sure you catch it. Don't be greedy and think that if you wait, you'll get more, because often you won't get more. You'll just get nothing to click at all. So as soon as you see something you like happening, catch that with your clicker. Um, all right, so turn the page on my notes. Um... Okay, folks, it's time for a whistle pause. A whistle pause is when there would usually be an advert from a sponsor, but I don't have a sponsor so instead I'm going to play you a tune on my trusty Acme 212. Now the tune there is slightly hampered by the fact that the 212 is just one pitch, but I hope you can appreciate the rhythm. Now, the reason that we've got this beautiful whistle pause instead of an advert is because I don't get any funding for this podcast or sponsorship. I record it, edit it, upload it myself, and I pay for the server. I don't want to get a sponsor because then I have to promote whatever business is sponsoring me. And apart from the fact that I think that most dog products are bollocks, I would lose some of the independence and the freedom that I have at the moment to say whatever I want to say about whatever I want to say it about. But... If you want to support me, and if you like this podcast, then there are some ways that you can support me, which will also benefit you, I hope. So you can check out the online courses I make, which you can find at forcefreegundog.com. And you can also check out my book, Force Free Gun Dog Training, and the accompanying workbook for it, which is a planner called The Workbook. You can get both of these from Amazon wherever you live in the world. So I really hope you can support me, and check out some of this material. Anyway, that is the end of today's Whistle pause. Let's get back to the show. So, yeah, we've talked about dropping, you know, the dog dropping the dummy as soon as they hear that click. Um, And we've talked about not being late. So the marker point is the lifting up of the dummy from the floor and the rising up of the dog's head with the dummy. And one reason for that, by the way, is that that is actually the behavior the action that we want that is the pickup so the dog standing still holding the dummy up in the air is not a pickup Um, it's the action of picking it up from the floor but the other thing is that that the dog standing still holding the dummy is actually a risky point for a drop so what a lot of dogs will do is i'll pick the dummy up um, and the dog the head will rise to the up position and then they'll just drop the dummy um, and if you are not, you know, if you've clicked, waited too late with your clicker, you'll end up clicking a drop. And we do not want to click a drop. So it's really important that at the moment we click, the dummy is in the dog's mouth. We do, If the dog drops the dummy before you've clicked, you've lost an opportunity to click. You can't click late and try and somehow catch that. You just have to wait for the next pickup to happen. Um, so yeah so it's a risky point so when the dog is static and standing still that is a risky moment for a drop because dogs just tend to drop at that point Um, whereas they are much less likely to drop while their head is rising up off the floor holding the dummy so that is a much safer moment to be clicking um, over and over again and trying to build up the um, clicker retrieve Um, if you do start to click late you can get you get a lot of problems you'll basically end up teaching the dog that what you want is the drop and the dog will end up only picking up the dummy so that they can drop it. And it does actually result in some quite funny and yet very undesirable scenarios like the dog picking the dummy up and throwing it across the room um, because they think that that's what you want, that you've clicked the drop so often that they think that they're expected to throw it, basically, or drop it somehow. Um, And so they only pick it up so that they can then throw it or drop it. And it's really hard if if you end up in that situation, it's really hard to communicate to the dog, I actually want you to keep holding the dummy, keep holding it and not drop it. Um, And so please, please don't fall into that trap. Click early with your pickups. Don't click drops. Um, And the dummy should be in the dog's mouth when you click. Um, Now, if you start to you know keep these sessions really quite short so think about this as like really advanced maths for dogs so you don't want to keep going longer than about three minutes maximum per session and if you're finding it hard to keep track of time because it can get quite mesmerizing and hypnotic for the human as well it's best to set a little timer if you just set your mobile phone um, alarm timer, um and just set it on the side. So then you get an alarm at three minutes and you'll know to finish your session after that point. Another good point is if your dog has a little bit of a breakthrough or does something particularly good, that's a good time to finish if you're around the three-minute mark. Um, so don't keep going, keep going, because you tend to get you know deteriorating results if you keep going. The dog's concentration w- wanes. Um, so pickups are not a stage that you can get stuck at for too long. You cannot do pickups too much basically so don't worry about um oh i should be moving on by now i should be doing the next stage really with pickups you cannot strengthen them enough the thing to move on to if you're finding pickups quite easy is to generalize to different items and different objects so basically you can do that and you know if you use if you're using a dummy you can use different dummies so the dog you know the risk is if you just do all this training with one dummy the dog starts to think that this is the thing we do with this particular item. And you know I have ended up with dogs at training classes that only want to retrieve their dummy, their one dummy. They're not interested in other dogs' dummies. They don't think those are valid retrieve objects. So you need to kind of be teaching the dog that this applies to everything. So this is just a... A kind of training pattern where I put an object on the floor at my feet, and you do this thing to it, and it doesn't matter what the object is. Exactly the same rules apply. So you can go through different dummies, and you should go through different dummies. But you can also go through different types of dummies. So, for example, uh, fur dummies, feather dummies, dockin dummies, um, and not just stick to gun dog stuff either. So. I kind of do it with all sorts of objects. So for example, half a clothes peg I might put on the floor at my feet or a laundry detergent dispenser I might put on the floor, um, a very large screw I might put on the floor, a bunch of keys. um, What else is there? Basically anything which is safe enough and practical enough for your dog to pick up, you can be doing this with. And the more that you can generalize this to a wider range of objects, the better, because if you think about game, it really does vary quite a lot from, you know, something really, really tiny to something huge and something with feathers to something with fur. And, you know, it kind of there's a massive variety of stuff that we want our dogs to pick up. And so getting them used to picking up different sizes of items and different things at this point is is really important, I think, for your retrieve in the future. Now, one thing to say is that as you move on to these other items, some of them are going to be really exciting for your dog. So fur or feather, for example, is probably gonna be way more exciting than canvas or plastic. And so you might find that you've got this perfect pickup on a canvas dummy or a plastic dummy. But when you put on the floor a fe- fur or feather dummy, your dog's like, Whoa, this is so exciting and you click when the dog does something and the just dog just ignores the click because they're just really into this this item and they just, you know, The value of the item itself is so high that they want to keep interacting with it. So if that happens, again, you do what you would always do in the situation when the dog doesn't break off at the click. You would put the treat on their nose and you would sort of lure them to turn away from the item using the treat. And then you would throw the treat away from the item on the floor. And you may need to increase the value of your treats when you're working with these really ta- with, sorry these really high value um, items. So you may need to use like cheese or hot dog sausage or um, any sort of meat really um, is is probably going to be better for for achieving reliability around these kinds of items than kibble. But a lot of dogs might work for kibble or ZB Peak for using that. So yeah, the idea though is is that you ensure that the dog is reliable so you want the dog to be able to pick up the item you're going to click as the heads rising from the floor they're going to drop on the spot when they hear the click and you're going to throw the treat away from from the dropped item um, and if the dog doesn't drop which is going to be likely if you use these higher value items i'm suggesting you use then you're going to use that treat to get the dog to drop and then throw that treat away from the dropped item Um, So this is really where we're doing a lot of work here on getting rid of keep away problems, getting rid of possessive issues, getting rid of the dog wanting to um, retain ownership of these high value items and not wanting to bring them back to you. So we're really just teaching the dog we're not taking this off you from your mouth it's not a me versus you thing I just want you to interact with it in a specific way and when you do that you get a click and you get a treat and then you get to re-interact with the item again so you haven't really lost it so you kind of yeah we're ironing out here and doing a lot of preparatory work for, for preventing keep away in the future um, so I think that's probably everything there is to say about this stage of the clicker retrieve um, it is quite an important stage Um, If you have any problems with it, then do, you know, send me an email and I'll try and cover them in the next episode that we have. Um, So, yeah, and I think also another thing to say is that this is where sort of, Shaping becomes a bit of an art form because it's where you are really looking at how you can split a behavior if your dog has a problem with it. So if your dog is not able to move from a nose touch to a pickup, you're going to really look at how can I look at what the dog is offering me and how can I split down um, something to be. So it's something the dog can offer and can be successful with. Um, And this is where the kind of skill in training comes from, really. Um, So, yeah, I think that's probably a general sort of shaping point. There's one final thing to say, which is that sometimes people really do get stuck on this point. And, and I'm not going to be too much of a shaping purist here. So um, some dogs just have a mental block about opening their mouth around the thing on the floor. And, you know, you could sit there with your clicker and treats forever. and Maybe at one point in a long time, you could get the dog to you know, have the eureka moment of putting their mouth around the thing on the floor. But I don't think shaping is necessarily um, always the best way to go if we can help the dog make that breakthrough in another way. So if you've got a dog which is just not putting their mouth around the dummy or just not getting the idea of the pickup, but they've got a fluent touch, but they're just not getting the pickup. Um, one thing you can do is is pick up the dummy and Animate it. So you're going to kind of use it as if it were a tug toy. You're going to kind of tease a dog with it and go, Ooh, what's this? What's this? And like wave it in front of their nose and then whip it around behind your back again, and then wave it around in front of your nose their nose and then whip it behind your back again. And what you're trying to do is just get the dog to kind of into a kind of playful mood. So they're going to bite onto the the dummy almost as if it's a toy. When this happens, you're going to click when they put their mouth around it, and then you're going to throw the treat. And you can just kind of repeat this, and you what you're trying to do over your reps is you're trying to lower your waving dummy closer and closer to the floor so that this is kind of happening on the floor. They're able to put their mouth around it. Um, and you're also trying to progressively animate the dummy less so that you need to do less and less stuff mo- in terms of moving the dummy to get them to bite onto it. So eventually you'll still end up with a pickup from the floor, but you just kind of use that that sort of animation of the dummy to get the idea across to the dog that this is something that they can do because sometimes the dogs just don't have any idea about that. Um, Another thing that's important to say is you haven't reliably achieved a pickup until the dog can do this with a static dummy on the floor. So if you're you're still relying on the animation, the moving of the dummy to get the dog to put the mouth around it, then you're not ready to move on yet. You need to be at the point where you're no longer needing to animate the dummy and the dog is reliably putting the mouth around it. Um, So, yeah, at that point you can then move on. So you need to keep working on that until you've faded away the animation and you've got the dummy on the floor and you're not needing to do that anymore. Um, But most of you do not animate the dummy if your dog offers you a pickup pretty easily or with a little bit of shaping involved, you do not need to animate the dummy at all. That is like an emergency step for people who are really struggling at this point and need kind of you know, an, an extra boost, as it were. So most of you do not need to be animating your dummy, and I don't recommend that you do unless you've got that problem. So that's phase two and three of the clicker retrieve, um, and we'll give you the next phases at some point soon. Good luck. And if you've got any problems, remember that you can email me at, at mac.com. That's G-A-L-O-D-Y at M-A-C.com. Also, there is a five-week Click of Retrieve course, and we've actually got lots of you doing it now and in the Facebook group, which is great. So um, if you want to join the five-week Click of Retrieve course, it costs £35, and you can start it at any time, and you can do it in your own time, really. And if you get behind because you're away for a week or something, that doesn't matter. You'll have permanent access to the emails and the videos and the handout sheets, so you can just do it in your own time and whenever you whenever is convenient for you, really. So drop me an email at galaday.com. G-A-L, O-D-Y at mac.com or joe at dogworks.org.uk if you'd like to sign up for the Click and Retrieve course. Hold the line. That's all for this week, everyone. So please don't forget um, to give me five stars on iTunes or Stitcher if you enjoyed the show. Um, and I will talk to you again soon. Hold, hold the line. Hold the line. Hold the line. 한글자막 <목소리도> <목소리도> <목소리도>